Father, we thank you for that truth that your love is reckless, meaning, God, it pursues us no matter where we are in our lives, no matter what we are doing, no matter how we treat you, Father. Your real love pursues us no matter what. We thank you for that. Father, I pray tonight that wherever each person in this room is in dealing with love, what it means, what it looks like, that tonight, wherever we are, that each one of us would leave this place understanding and grasping your love for us. I pray that over these students. They would know what that means, what your grace means, what your love means. They would see that evident in their lives tonight and forevermore. We love you in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, bud. You guys can head back. And thank you as you head back to your seat for being here tonight. We, um, as Kale said, are so glad that you're here. Second Students Weekend is right around the corner. We'd love for you all to be there. And we're tonight starting a two-week series, tonight being the first part of that, next week being the last part of that at Live, called Real Love. Real Love. We're going to talk about some fake love, and we're going to see what real love is tonight and next week. My better half, my beautiful, amazing, you don't even know who I'm talking about. You're screaming, but you're right. My wife, Erica is, thank you, thank you, it makes me feel good. Um, She is amazing, she's here tonight, but next week she's going to be on this stage with me and uh, we're going to talk to you guys um, about some real serious stuff, some stuff that um, you may not want to hear, that you may not want to talk about. We're going to talk about purity, we're going to talk about dating, we're going to share with you kind of our story and how God worked through that, um, how we got where we are today. So I'm very, very excited for her to be with me next week. But tonight, I want to start us off by, by looking at this. And I want to encourage you, I know we say this, but this is big on our hearts as a team. We want you to take notes. So I want you to be engaged, and, and taking notes helps you stay engaged. And so if you are going to take notes, I want you to write this down. This is where I'm heading tonight. This is what we're driving towards. Love drives everything. Love drives everything. Love drives everything that we as humans do in our relationships. Relationships, I don't want you to to think just dating because that's where our minds go, but relationships in dating, but also in our friendships and with our family. All the relationships that we have, love drives how we act, what we say, what we do. Sometimes those things are awesome. Sometimes they're a little bit crazy. I'll give you an example. Um, There's been many times in my relationship with my wife. I've known her for, I think, what, six and a half years, and we've been together um, married for, for five and a half of those years. And so there's been many times where love has driven me to do some crazy, stupid things in our relationship. One of those times was about four years ago, and you're going to hear this story if you're here next week about my wife and I. We had broken up a few times. She broke, really, my heart a few times. And uh, it was once that that happened, we finally got back together. I had pursued her for a really long time, right? I, I, I told her, hey, I love you. I'm not going to stop chasing after you, kind of like God does with us, but not like God. And, but I'm going to pursue you. And I did. And 
She finally said, I love you. We were in two separate states. She was in Virginia. I was here. This is after we came down to intern in 2013 at this church. And I was working here. She was in Virginia. And so I was head over heels already. She told me she loved me. I lost my mind. I'm crying. It's amazing. And so I, thank you, I, I said, here's what I'm going to do. Okay, by the way, mind you, I'm fresh out of college. Okay, meaning I'm broke. That's what that means. I got no money. All right. I, and, and I'm in love, so I'm crazy, stupid love, okay? So what I, what I said was, um, I'm gonna fly out to, this was on a Friday or, or a Thursday, and I flew out on a Friday. I said, I'm gonna fly and surprise my wife, right? So by the way, a plane ticket to the East Coast is like $600, especially when you buy it the day that you're leaving, all right? So I said, I looked at my bank account, and I had zero money in there. Actually, it was like negative, okay, like negative $50. I think that's what it was. And so I started selling stuff, okay? There's this thing called OfferUp, all right? That's when I was introduced to OfferUp. You can sell your personal belongings. I'm selling everything, right? Because I'm like, I'm going to see my wife. Wanted to see, or not my wife at the time, my girlfriend. Wanted to see her so bad. So I start selling stuff, trying to get money. I spend money on this $600 ticket. On top of that, my parents, okay, um, there's this thing called Life360. I don't know if you have that. Yeah? Okay. Well, I'm 28, and we still have that in my family, all right? My parents tracked me. And at that point, I was 23, and they did. And they, I, I love you, babe, but they didn't really, they weren't fond of my wife, my girlfriend at that time, because she had broken my heart. Okay, boo-hoo. I was really sad. My mom loves me. And she was mad, all right? So that's real. And so she's like, I don't want you seeing this girl, but I'm like, I'm in love with her, so I'm not going to tell you, even though you can track me. So I turned that off, because you know how to do that. And uh, not that you know how to do that. And I, and I flew out. To, to Virginia. And I hate flying, by the way. If you know anything about me, absolutely hate flying. The only flight in my life that I've ever been so calm and so peaceful because I was just ready to get to, to, to Virginia. No joke. And so I got there. We, I, I landed and I was like so excited. I was shaking, right? I was just ready to see Erica. And I remember, come, this is one of the greatest moments in our relationship aside from getting married and all the other great things that have happened. But I was coming down the escalator and I saw Erica at the bottom. And I still remember everything she was wearing. She was wearing a, a beautiful, cute, hot brown jacket, all right, with some beautiful jeans that were blue, because they're blue jeans, and some fly shoes. She was just, she's not here, but she's, she was beautiful. And I was like so excited to see her. And my love in that moment drove me to do all those things, but the reward was incredible. I got to spend the weekend with her and her family. It was awesome. But love does that in our lives. Love drives us to do sometimes great things. I don't know um, what love has, has driven you to do. Maybe um, it, it's driven you to give gifts to people without them expecting it, right? Like, have you ever done that and someone's like, I didn't expect this, but it's really awesome when you're able to do that. Maybe, um, by the way, uh, prom proposals, all right? We, we never did that when I was in uh, high school, okay? Like, when you I don't know if that's apparently what it's called, but you say, hey, will you go to prom with me? Like, we didn't do that. Okay, if we were dating, you just went to prom, right? But you guys do that, those of you who have been to prom and have done this, right? Y'all go big when you're dating or not because you care about that person. How about Valentine's Day, right? That's coming up, okay? Dudes, if you're dating, it's coming up. Or if you have a mom, all right? Treat your mom nice on Valentine's Day. It's the nice thing to do. It's coming up and we go big on Valentine's Day. Maybe you've done something for your parents. I remember when I was uh, about 20 years old, and it was my parents' 25th wedding anniversary. I threw a massive party, surprise party for them. It was awesome. They loved it. Maybe you've done something like that for your family. Love drives us to do that. Maybe it's with a friend. Maybe you went out of your way to, to talk to a friend or to go meet a friend somewhere who was, who was in trouble, who, who was in need, or who needed help. I'll never forget my best friend when I was 17 years old. His parents had an affair. And they were going through a divorce. 
And I remember him calling me saying, hey, I need you to come get me out of my house because I can't take my parents fighting anymore and telling me which side to pick. And so I drove to his house in the, the chaos that was there and pulled him out and took him to a movie. Maybe you've done that for a friend. It also drives us to do abnormal things, right? Like me drive, flying to, to Richmond, Virginia. It also drives us in our moments of anger in our relationships. Think about that. When you get angry in a relationship, it's because you care and love that, care about that person and love them. Sometimes in those relationships, we get selfish and we get angry. And anger comes from all different things. Also sadness, sadness. There's a thing called grief. If you've been to a funeral before, you've dealt with a tragedy, someone passing away. Grief, what that word is, is deep sorrow. We, we get upset and we mourn and we grieve because we love that person. Love drives the actions that we do, the things that we say. Not just that, but more importantly, love also drives everything God does. But you write that down as well. Love just doesn't just drive what we do and the things that we say and how we act. It drives what God does. It drives who God is toward us, loved us. So tonight, we're gonna hop around a few different verses. And so um, truly, if you wanna, you can keep your Bible closed or you can try and keep up, but it's gonna be on the screen. I'd love for you to jot these verses down to, to mark them in your notes. But I want us tonight to begin to understand or maybe to fully understand and embrace what God's real love is and not a cheaper version of it, but a real version of it. And so to do that, we've got to understand what God's love is. We've, we've got to know what it is and how it happens. So here's where I want to start. I want to start in 1 John 4, 18. This is what God's love looks like. And there's many verses in the Bible that talk about God's love. This is one of them. 1 John John, the apostle writing, says this in verse 18, chapter four. There is no fear in love, but perfect love, key phrase, perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Here's what John says. God's love is perfect. It's perfect. In other words, God's love is not complicated. You ever felt like love was super complicated? Like all the time, that's how I felt and feel. Even being married at times, love is complicated. Love in my family is complicated. Love in my friendships with certain people, it, it can get complicated. Facebook, not that any of you use that, but Facebook used to have a thing on the, the website, on the, the profile that you would sign up for where you could select your relationship status. And one of those literally was, it's complicated. Like what, what is, like, like, what does that even mean? Like, you could trip people out when I was in high school and college if you put it's complicated and the girl's like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Like, why are we complicated? I don't understand. Or a girl would do that to me and it would psych me out, right? By changing a little status. But, but, but even though love can feel complicated, God's love is not complicated. What do I mean? God's love is perfect. God's love has no errors. It has no mess ups. There's no second guessing. There's no mistakes, in God's love. It is literally perfect. And none of us can really understand that because we aren't perfect. And we don't know what perfection truly looks like. Even though you may think you're perfect, you're not. I'm not. We're not perfect, but God's love is. And it says there, listen to this, that his perfect love does something. It drives out fear. 
God's love drives out not just fear, but anything that could oppose it. Anything, anything in your life that you feel like opposes God's love towards you, it drives it out. Anything that comes against you, anything that opposes you, God's love, not just fear, but thoughts, emotions, people, the enemy, haters, God's love drives that out. His love is perfect. And then in Jeremiah 31.3, it says this, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with an unfailing kindness. God's love is never ending. It's never ending. In the Old Testament, this is where this verse is from. There's a guy named Jeremiah who this book is written after, who is named after. He wrote much of what was said in the book. Jeremiah was a prophet. A prophet, if you don't know who a prophet is, a prophet is someone who literally could be doing anything in the world. They could be eating, sleeping, taking a shower, using the bathroom, doing whatever, for real. And God could come to them and say, I want you to tell somebody what I just told you. So that was Jeremiah. He was a prophet. He could be chilling, sleeping. God could speak to him. He'd have to wake up, write it down, or whatever they did, and go tell people about it. That's what Jeremiah did. And his nickname was the weeping prophet. Why? Because Jeremiah got so much bad news that he had to tell the people of Israel. One thing after another, God is saying, destruction's gonna happen here. This is gonna happen here. God was telling Jeremiah this to tell the people of Israel. And it was just, it was just, go read it. I mean, it's just horrible things that God was doing because of the nation of Israel and their sin and their pursuit of other false gods and other things other than God. But Jeremiah comes in chapter 31, verse three. And look at what he says. He says, look, I know you, I've told you some horrible things. It's difficult you're going through it, but let me tell you, here's what God says. He appeared to me and he said this, I love you with an everlasting love. An everlasting love. He said, hey, listen, listen. I don't want you to forget that God, he loves you no matter what. There, there's a lot there, by the way. Like God loves us no matter what. No matter what we do, no matter what we say, no matter how we act, God will always love you and love me. But he says, I want you to remember that. And he says there that it is everlasting. That word means literally without end. Like everything for us, think about this, everything that you do, school, um, the year, relationships, whatever it may be, they all end. Everything has a start, everything has an end. But with God's love, there is no end. It doesn't stop. It continues and continues and continues. And for us, we can't understand that. But he's saying, I want you to know that God's love doesn't end. There's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can say. There's no decision he's gonna make. It's not gonna end. It's gonna keep going. That's who God is. And by the way, it, just, it doesn't just say it's gonna stop, but here's what that means. It also means that nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop his love. There is nothing that can stop God's love for you. There is nothing that can get in the way of that. Unfortunately, love at times, we put conditions on it. That's what we do in our relationships. We say, I'll do this for you. I'll love you this far. I'll go this far. I'll, I'll help you here. I'll, I'll stick with you through this. If you do this, 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 this. Or if I get this, this, this. We do that in relationships. It's called conditions. God's love has no conditions. There's nothing that can cause him to say, Seth, I'm not gonna love you anymore. He loves us. But something happened. Something happened, right? Because what we're talking about tonight 
is that love drives everything, that God's love drives everything, but somehow love got messed up because I'm not oblivious to the fact that many of us in this room either don't understand love or we have a real messed up view of it. And maybe you've been treated horribly in your life. Maybe all you know of love is yelling and screaming and disappointment and hatred and betrayal from everybody in your life. Maybe just from certain people. So why? Why in the world is that the case? Because if God's love is perfect and is everlasting, why don't we love each other like that? Why don't we experience that kind of love? It's because things got messed up. Something happened. So I want you to walk through this with me. When God created us, he created us in his image. He created us with his love. Genesis chapter one is where it began. Now, by the way, I I don't know, I just wanna say this. I don't know how someone can say they're a Christian and believe in Jesus Christ that he died on the cross for the sins and rose again, but not believe in creation, to say that there was a big bang that happened to start the world. Let me just tell you, there was a creator who created you and me with his love that he designed and put in us and created us in his image in Genesis chapter one. And he said to God, the son and God, the spirit, God, the father said, let us make man and woman, me and you in our image like us. And so what he did was when he created us, this is God, He created us and he took his love and everything about him and he he created our being and then he poured his love, his nature, who he is into us. He poured it into us. That's what it says in Romans 5, three through five. Look at it. It says this, not only so, but we also glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts, poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God created us and he poured his love into us. That's what he did when he created us. And I want you to write this down. We were created by God to experience and express the same type of love he does toward us. You and me as humans, male, female, were created to experience and express the same type of love towards others that God does toward us. We were intended to experience, to express that type of love, a perfect and an everlasting love. That's what we were created to do. That's how we were designed. And maybe some of you, you've never been shown that type of love. Maybe you've never experienced a real love in your life begins with Jesus Christ. Maybe the people in your life have never shown you that. Maybe you don't show people that. Maybe maybe you struggle because of a distorted view that you have, that I've had at times, to show people that. Why? Because sin came into the picture. Genesis chapter three. If you read on, Adam and Eve, man, they messed up, right? I think sometimes we look at Adam and Eve and we're like, come on, y'all. Like, look, if I was Adam and Eve, okay, I've thought this. I would have totally been able to see that apple, look at that apple, but ignore the apple, right? <laughs> like, but I can't pass up a brownie, you know, at, you know, Dairy Queen or where, I don't, they don't have brownies, but wherever I'm at, Chick-fil-A, right? I can't pass up the ice cream. All right, but I'm like, I would never have eaten that apple. Adam and Eve, they gave in, into temptation. Eve, she took it. It was shiny. It was beautiful. She ate it. 
She passed it on to her boy, all right, Adam. He ate it, then he blamed Eve, typical men, all right, and they failed. And what happened in Genesis 3? Sin, sin, nasty sin, came into the picture. And it distorted God's love. It distorted what God had intended for us to express and to show and to feel and to understand and to experience. Romans 5, 12 says this, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sin, here's what it's saying. Sin doesn't bring love, sin brings death. Sin brings disgusting, nasty water. Disgusting, nasty death. This is what happened to our view and our understanding of love. It was intended to be perfect and amazing and everlasting, but now it's chalky and it's nasty. And I read on the ingredients for this thing, if you drink it, you'll have to contact poison control. Not good, okay? This is, this is nasty. This is dangerous. This is what we look like when it comes to love. By the way, if you look really closely at this, you can still see water in it. It's, it's really foggy and it looks super dark, but you can still see that there's some water left in there. By the way, we still have love. We can still express love. There's still some good things about the love that we express and we show. It's not all bad, but sin has tainted that. Sin has distorted that. And so for many of us, the only love that we've experienced, for all of us truly, is a love that is flawed. Even with the greatest parents in the world even with the greatest people in our lives, even with an awesome relationship with our boyfriend or girlfriend, even with awesome friends, love is still flawed. So in our lives, there's this, this fake love and this real love that's battling in our hearts. Real love, and there's a fake love because of sin that battles in our hearts and in our lives that we continually feel. So what do we do? Because it's nasty and it's distorted. And maybe, maybe tonight it's hard for you to accept love because you've never been loved by the people that you should be loved by. Maybe some of you, like I said earlier, the only love you know is yelling and ignoring and leaving and forgetting. That's my wife's story, by the way, and you're gonna hear that next week. That's what my wife grew up dealing with, was a love that was full of hatred and disappointment. And maybe that's all you know tonight. Maybe your idea of love tonight is how far you're willing to go in a relationship. Like, I'm gonna love you, I love you enough, so I'm willing to go this far because that was me. My parents loved me, had an awesome time growing up, but my idea of love was based on physical satisfaction in my relationship growing up, in my relationships. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe your idea of love means I can't have any freedom or the person I'm with can't have any freedom. They've got to sacrifice their personal beliefs and desires. Maybe you're too scared to love anybody. Maybe you've got walls put up. I say all these things because I all want us to find a place. And I don't know where you're, what, what, what love looks like for you. I don't know where you're at. But here's what I do know is that too many times human love is based on our current state. Is based on how we feel in, in, in a moment. What we're thinking. How our day went. That's how we treat people at times. 
It's not based on a consistent love. It's based on a love that goes along with how life goes. And life is full of sin. Life is full of difficulty. Life is full of pain. But God's love, listen, is the opposite of that. It is not circumstantial. Meaning it's not based on our circumstances. Can you imagine that? Like what if God's love for you was based on how your day was going? On how, how much we messed up? on how perfect we are, because we're not. It's not based on that. It's based on a relationship, a relationship that he initiated, created, fought for, and desires. Did you hear me? A relationship that God, through Jesus Christ, initiated, created, he fought for through Jesus and desires to have with you. Listen to what he says in Romans 8, 37 through 39. Nothing can separate us says this, no, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation, this is Paul talking, being real with us, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Nothing can come in between you and God your relationship and his relationship with you. Nothing can separate him from you. Nothing. He, he said it all there. Nothing can come in between, not even your current state or my current state where we are in our relationship. Because God's love is perfect and it is everlasting. It never ends. There are no conditions. So the question tonight is how do we clear things up? How, how do we take this nasty, chalky, black water, our, our, our view, our understanding, our concept of love, how do we take this and transform it back to where it should be? And I wish I had some, I, I researched, I tried to figure out a way to turn this back into water. I don't think it's possible. I tried. But it kind of fits into our lives because there's nothing we can do to get that back. There's nothing we can work or do, or try, or force to understand the real love of God. Because it's not based on our effort and it's not based on our work. So how do we do it? Valentine's Day is coming up, I said. It's in, it's in a week, week and a half. No, a week. It's close, I think. I need to go shopping. But it's close, all right? Valentine's Day is coming up. And Valentine's Day is crazy. Right, Valentine's Day, I don't know if you feel this, but I, don't, I, I used to like it, but the older I got, there's a whole lot of pressure in Valentine's Day to, to buy things and to do things, especially when you're dating somebody, right? You just, you stress out. I remember when I was a kid, all right? I don't know if you did this, but in my, uh, my preschool, in my kindergarten, in first and second grade class, everyone got a Valentine, right? Like mine was, my go-to was Scooby-Doo, all right? <laughs> it was Scooby-Doo Valentine that said, rut row love you, all right? <laughs> With a, with a lollipop, all right? And everyone and their little cubby got one. Then I got into fifth grade, all right? And things got a little crazy, all right? I started finding out that I wanted to give certain girls, all right, a lollipop, but not other girls. Like, it was like, what, what's, what's happening? Why am I starting to, like, separate people and, and say this girl's better than that one? And I didn't understand it, right? Then I got into J-High. This is no joke. I got into J-High. This is Valentine's for me. Got into J-High. Then I'm finding myself buying a teddy bear, a bear, bear, a massive teddy bear, huge, all right, like in Walmart, all right, for this girl who didn't know I liked her, but I did, and I wanted to impress her. 
So I go to Walmart, my parents drove me up there. I'm walking down the aisle and no joke, the girl's on the aisle. That is no joke. And she's buying a teddy bear too. But I didn't say anything because I'm like, look, I'm not gonna do this right here and it'd be awkward, but I know she's buying it for me because I'm super confident, right? So I buy the teddy bear, she does. I go to school on Valentine's and she gives it to another dude. I'm like, what? Heart broke, all right? First ever Valentine's that I seriously was like, this is the most ridiculous day of the year. I hate it, never doing it again. Then I go into high school and, and it just gets crazy, right? In high school, when, when you like someone, you love someone, you have feelings for someone, you start really, really wanting to do it big. Like, like Valentine's has got to be awesome. I got to go all out, got to make it special. And that, that's how Valentine's is. It's a lot of work at times. It's fun, but it's a lot of work. We feel a lot of pressure. I never felt as much pressure as I did when I really found out that, hey, Erica's the girl that I want to marry. And so I want to make not just Valentine's, but every day special for her, but Valentine's for sure. I want to make sure that I crush that for her. And so I did about, uh, what, five and a half years, maybe six years ago now, we, we got engaged on Valentine's night, all right? February 14th, 2014. There's a picture of that when that moment was that I want you to see. I know, it's amazing. Thank you. I crushed, it was awesome. But let me tell you about this, okay? This was the most miserable, this was awesome. All right, this moment was all worth it. But it was the most miserable day of my life, okay? It was hot. We were in San Antonio. Hot, all right, crazy. I was trying to find this place called Marriage Island. Didn't know where the heck it was, all right? We were walking around downtown. She's in high heels, so she's stressed out. Like, get me out of here. I'm like, just please wait. I promise it'll pay off, okay? Trust me. I almost lost the ring. I had to invite her parents. Oh, and she thought I was taking her on a hot air balloon ride. Didn't happen, okay? So, awesome but I flew her parents. It was so much work that went into this. Now it paid off and it was awesome. But here's the point is that though it was a lot of work and it paid off, we don't have to work for God's love. And if you came in here thinking, maybe you've got pressure in your life that tells you you've got to work and you've got to be perfect and you've got to work your tail off and you've got to try really hard and you've got to do this, 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 this. And I didn't read my Bible, so God may not love me. None of that is true. Let me tell you today, you don't have to work to earn God's love in your life. Let me tell you why. Here's what Romans 5, 8 says. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for you and me. While we were still sinning. Think about that. While I was literally sinning in my mess, in my junk, in my skewed, messed up version of love, letting people down, letting God down, messing up, Christ died for me despite that. And he died for you despite that. Despite all of that. So here's the last thing I really want you to put down in your notes. God's real love drove him to send his, send his son to die for our sins. Love drives everything. Love drives everything God does, but ultimately his real love drove him to send his son for you and me. And one of the most famous verses in the entire Bible says it. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. He so loved the world. A perfect and never failing love. And I've listed a lot of things tonight. I don't know where you're at with the love that you're experiencing and the love that you're feeling in your life or you're getting or not getting or what that looks like or what's going on in your head or how you're treating people in your life. But I want you to know it begins with a relationship. It begins with you saying, I'm gonna reach out and I'm gonna grasp the love of God because God is reaching out. 
His love stays right here in your and mine, your face. But we've got to reach out and take that love and say, I believe it. I want to feel it and know it in my life. I want to experience it in my life. I want it to be true in my life. His love. So with heads bowed. Maybe tonight you need to start letting God's love drive everything in your life. And that's where it begins. It begins in a personal relationship. It begins with you saying, God, I know you love me. I want to love you back. I want you to change everything in me. I know sin has messed things up. I know sin has distorted the picture. I know that I am lost and I am hurting and there are things outside that I can't control but I know that your love can get me through it that your grace can get me through it